We're going to stay with John 3.16, if that's okay. I figured, why quit now? We're on a roll. I'm going to read John 3.16, and then I'll let you sit down. There's three other stories in Scripture I want to cover, uh, three other incidents. People have interactions with Jesus. But John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably memorized that verse, John 3, 16. I think John 3, 17 is one of the most important scriptures in the, all of the Bible. If we're going to understand our approach, Jesus' approach to the world, and our approach to the world, the benefit we have knowing Christ and how we should approach the world, I believe this is an extremely important verse. Because it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God. Didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Father, we thank you. Salvation is through Christ, that he offers it freely to us. That there's no work we can do to earn it. There's no behavior we can do to get your attention for it, Lord, but you offer it to us freely, the gift of salvation. You didn't come here to condemn us, but actually through you, there is no condemnation. And so you've wiped the slate clean. We thank you for that opportunity you're giving each and every one of us this morning to start brand new with you. We pray, Lord, that we take advantage of it. And we pray, Lord, that we offer that same grace and mercy to those around us. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. You know, I, um, we've had a great series about John three sixteen that God gave his only son to redeem us, to set us free. And I started looking at that verse and realizing that, that Jesus specifically is telling Nicodemus in this verse, remember he's, having a, he's had a conversation with Nicodemus and, and he's still talking to him and he says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. And I thought, well, that is very, very, very important because if you look through scripture, you realize Paul lays out the case in Romans chapter three that we're already condemned. That none of us are, are good in and of ourselves that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that condemnation is what goes along with being a human. Amen? That regardless of how beautiful your little baby is, that thing is born into sin and grows up sinful. We all do. It is fascinating. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and I realized they were talking about sin, and I said, man, like Adam and Eve sinned, and then their first kids acted crazy, murdering. Sin has a way of permeating everything that we do in every aspect of our lives. And what happens is, is that we are condemned people aside from Christ. So having already been condemned, Jesus did not come into the world to reinforce condemnation. I say thank God for that. He didn't need to condemn again something that was already condemned. We were already without hope. While we were sinners, the Bible says, with no hope, with no chance of redemption, with, with nothing to look forward to, except condemnation, 
Jesus came and died for us while we were sinners. We could do nothing to avail our own, our own future. We couldn't do anything to help ourselves out. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And, but the Bible says that Jesus didn't come here to go, hey, you're going to hell, remember? You're, you're, you're condemned, remember? You can't do anything, remember? No, it says he didn't come in to the world to heap more condemnation condemnation on us but he came so that we can be saved from that condemnation amen that's exciting so i want to i want to read three stories just three short stories first one is a luke chapter eight and how jesus interacts with people and then maybe we can paint a picture maybe we can glean from this how maybe we should be interacting with people Luke chapter 8, verse 43, it says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak immediately. Her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. When they all denied it, isn't that funny? Like, not me, Lord. I don't know what you're talking about. Peter looks at him and says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody's pushing up against you. What do you mean who touched you? But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know the power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she had not gone unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, now this is remarkable to me, and we're going to get into this in a second. This is all he says to her. This is the extent of the recorded conversation. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Remember that. She touches him. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. All right, let's go to the second story. John chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool in which Aramaic is called Bethesda. It's called the Pool of Bethesda. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. But one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? That's all he asked him. Can you imagine just walking up to him and saying, Hey, do you want to get well? Verse 7 is the man's reply. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. The water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. All right, now the third story. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. After saying this, he spit into the ground. Not the way I would have done it, but I'm not God. Spit on the ground made some mud with saliva. Put it on the man's eyes. 
Could you imagine sitting there beside Jesus going, dude, really? You just spit in the dirt and rubbed it on that blind man's eye. He didn't even know you did it. Think about that. He didn't even know you spit on the ground. He's blind. One of the things that I think plague us as, as the church as a whole, let me back up. There's a thing called sanctification. That's a fancy Christian word for, for, gener- for basically boiling all down, becoming like Christ. It's the process we believe in our church. The sanctification doesn't happen all at once. You don't come to Jesus and become saved by faith in Christ and then become perfect like Christ. Because you wouldn't be doing what you're doing today if that was the truth. But we believe that the process, there's a process called sanctification. That we are becoming more like Christ. The longer we have a relationship with him, the more we read scripture, the more we fellowship with each other and gather together like in settings like this, that we are becoming more like Christ. So we're being sanctified. It's a process in our lives. Some of you may call it adulting. No, it's a little bit different from that, but maybe the same concept. The fear I have is we try to sanctify the unsanctifiable because you cannot be sanctified apart from Christ. There is no no behavior modification that we can do to become more like Christ on our own. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. We could do nothing To benefit ourselves in his view, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were already condemned. So there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to just become more like Christ. But the problem is, is we want to have conversations with people far away from Christ on how they can just better their lives. So watch how it goes. If I was in the spot, you know, well, let's say the woman who had the issue of blood. The Bible says that she had been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus was actually on his way to heal a little girl. And the crowd had pressed around him. And this woman thought, if I could just touch him, I could be healed. She had, the Bible says for the last 12 years, that she had went to every doctor she knew how to go to, and nothing had worked. And she thinks, if I could just get to Jesus, he could heal me. Now, I was having lunch with somebody the other day. We were, we were talking about this, and I said, you know what? It's curious. In today's modern church, we would have a discussion with her first about why she had went to the wrong doctors. We would have said, wait, wait, wait. You went, to, you went to him? Don't you? Man, he's not a good doctor. I mean, my insurance won't, won't even cover him, so I don't, even, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't go to him. I go to the good doctor down the road, and that's why I'm not sick like you. And we want to debate whether people who are, who are condemned already are doing the right thing, therefore heaping more condemnation on them before they ever even get to Jesus. She just, she just realizes I've got no other options here. I'm out of options. And so she doesn't need more condemnation. She just needs a path to Jesus. And so when we begin to have conversations with people, the next time you're in Walmart and they say, oh man, my life's terrible, don't go, well, I mean, you did it all. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's all in your back, bro. I mean, you're the one making every decision in your life. Good for you. Now, why don't we just help spread the crowd a little bit so they can just get to it? 
because he didn't come to condemn the world. And so that if we're recipients of that same grace, we shouldn't be heaping condemnation on people either. Amen? So there was no debate whether she had went to the right doctor or not. It was just, your faith has healed you. Jesus didn't say, oh, by the way, how did you get so sick? How? But, I mean, you touched me. Now let's talk about all the mistakes you've made since, since you've come to me now. Let, let's talk about how you got in the situation you got in. Matter of fact, in the next story we read in John, it says that when Jesus approached the man, uh, the, the kind of the backstory of this, of this portion of scripture is that, uh, they said an angel would come down and stir the water in this pool, and whoever got into the pool first would be healed. Jesus walks into this context and walks straight up to a guy who's been an invalid 38 years, walks straight up to him and does not ask how he got there or why he had not been healed yet, just asks him if he wants to be made whole. And the guy responds with this. Well, man, if I could get to the water. It's just not my day. Nothing's going my way. Now, I know you've never done this, but I on occasion have done this. Just like having a debate about doctors, hear people say, man, I don't ever have any good luck. If it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. And what is your first inclination? Well, if you stop talking to your wife that way, well, if you love your husband a little better, well, if you treat your kids different, do you realize Jesus did not ask him why he was not healed yet? He asked him if he wanted to be healed now. Come on, church. He was saying, I'm not going to heap any more condemnation on you. You don't need to get any sicker than you are today. We don't need to have a discussion of why you can't get to the water. We don't need a discussion. I've heard preachers preach, man, he's just so lazy he wouldn't drag himself over there. I mean, I've heard all kinds of things about this. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus didn't care. Because he wasn't coming to condemn him. He was saying, well, this guy's already condemned. He can't even get himself over there. How much more condemned do you need to be? I can't fix this. You know what the most beautiful part of somebody away from Christ, the most beautiful revelation you will ever hear is I can't fix this. And when people say that, they're not looking for an answer from you. <laughs> I want to give it to him. Now I'm like, boy, if you discipline your kids, bring them over to my house for a week, right? Come on, don't we, don't we think like that? We think of the church, we got all the answers, and you hear Jesus give none except wholeness and salvation. Because he realizes that you can't sanctify somebody who hasn't met the sanctifier. You can't just change behavior and expect somebody to make it to heaven romans 3 paul says we are not good in and of ourselves and so jesus isn't in the habit of walking around debating with people whether they made the right decisions up to this point or not we didn't read the story but he he walks in on the situation with the woman called adultery and he doesn't say well lady how'd you get here i think it's pretty obvious how she got there and there was enough people heaping commendation on her. And so Jesus reaches down, draws in the dirt a little bit, and they all start. He said, hey, whoever was without sin, cast the first stone. I didn't come here to condemn anybody. 
And then he stands up and he says, lady, is there anyone here to condemn you? No, sir. Neither do I. Neither do I. What if we looked out in humanity with the same eyes as Jesus had and just said, I don't need a reason why you're here. I don't need, I don't need to know what the last 12 years look like. I don't need, I don't need to know that you've screwed it all up. I don't know. I just want to make a way for you to get to the Savior. Because he's not going to ask you those questions either. The only thing he's going to ask you in the moment is, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be healed? Do you want, do you want to finally have the condemnation lifted? And what we do, what we do as recipients as we complicate it by trying to make sure people are condemned. Well, I need to make sure they really know they're going to hell. It's like, do you re- okay, you're, you're getting ready to have a divorce. Do you know you're going to hell? <laughs> Bro, I'm living in it. Like, I don't know what, what else you want. I'm living in it. I don't know what the, the message that the guy sent to Jesus was. I don't know what else to do. I don't have to debate your story. I just need to lead you to the one that can make you whole. Jesus is standing right in front of him. He says, I don't, I don't need to know all this. I just need you to know that you don't need to get to the water. That you don't need to do this the way everybody else. That you don't need to, you don't need to sit here one more day feeling condemned. That you can be forgiven and healed right now. Why don't you just get up and pick up your mat? And so I'm sure that guy was getting ready to hear the religious opinion of another rabbi. Oh, we got enough of them, don't we? He was probably prepping himself. Well, this is the reason I'm not healed yet, pastor. This is the reason I'm not healed yet, brother. This is where I am. This is the reason. It's not my fault. I just can't get there. And You know, my life is terrible and I can't keep a job and I can't do this. No, 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 no. I don't need to know all that. Just stand up. Just stand up. I don't need, we don't need to have all these discussions. And, and listen, how many of you had siblings? Come on, raise your hand if you had siblings. You did? That's cool. I did too. I had a brother who was two years younger than me. In the, in the about 20 years that I was under my parents' roof, I never did anything wrong. <laughs> well, I would say 18 because I had to wait till he was born. I stole a squirt gun from a hardware store one time. True story. I was 23. <laughs> no. I was like, I was like six, right? I've told you, man, we were poor. I knew the only way I was going to get a squirt gun was to steal it. You judge me if you want. Six years old, I'm walking into the hardware store. The people know my parents by name. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to get me a squirt gun. I'd already asked my mother for one. She was like, you can't buy squirt guns on food stamps. You're not getting it. So, so, so I thought I was slick. I just grabbed it off the shelf, put it in my pocket, except my four-year-old brother saw me. We got back home, tried to hide in a crib. He started squealing because I wouldn't give it to him. I thought if we were older, I'd punch you right in the mouth. (laughs) My parents came in. My mom came in, found the squirt gun, made me sit down and read the Bible. I said, what's that got to do with him telling on me? (laughs) I don't understand what's happening here. Made me go back and apologize to the guy, give the squirt gun back. I always wanted somebody to blame. 
It's kind of human nature, isn't it? Isn't it crazy how we're already condemned, yet we want to be able to condemn someone else to make our condemnation feel a little bit lighter? If I've got somebody to blame, I'm not as bad as they are. This third story, Jesus is walking with the disciples. There's a man who was born blind. And the religious viewpoint of it was somebody messed up. Somebody screwed up here. Why is he blind? Whose sin caused this? Whose sin caused this, Jesus? I'd like to think Jesus thought, I didn't come here for that. I didn't come here for condemnation. I came so that through me the world might be saved. I came to offer grace and mercy. When you're looking for somebody to blame for something that's happened, I'm looking how to heal them. When you're looking for somebody to have a scapegoat and have a reason for why their life's terrible and yours isn't and make you feel better, I'm looking how to save and heal them. I'm looking at things differently than you are. And so he said, sin's got nothing to do with this. Now, let me say it in this. He's saying there's no one to blame here. Disease is a result of sin. Death is a result of sin. It's we're all condemned to die apart from Christ. We are all going to breathe our last breath and some of us not going to be. We're going to get disease in our body and it's just going to end. And that's the realization. But the religious people were always looking for somebody to blame. And Jesus says, blame's got nothing to do with any of this. Watch this. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But this is the reason it looks like this so I can walk in and save everybody. And he tells them that. He says that my power might be manifested in this situation. Look, it's got nothing to do with blame. Come on, I'm going to make some mud. And I'm going to put it on his eyes. Put it on his eyes. Go wash yourself in the river. Be whole. You know what I believe is happening? I believe, first of all, that the way you end a season can determine the way you start the next one. Washington Redskins. The, the way you end a season can determine how you start the next one. Listen, I believe there are people in here right now that you already know you're condemned. And you're trying to figure out how you can get people not to heap more condemnation on you. You're trying to figure, come up with an explanation. What well, was because of this? was because of that? I can't get to the water because there's nobody here to help. You know, I, I went to bad doctors. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm the shape I am. I went to bad doctors. You know, uh, well, I think it was my parents that caused me. I, I'm just, and if as the church, we could just step out of the way and say, hey, listen, maybe we could just help you spread the crowd a little bit to get to Jesus. Because the beautiful thing about getting to him is, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That it's one of the only places on the planet that you can walk into his presence and actually not feel condemned. 
It's a haven in the midst of death. It's a, it's a safe zone. It's a, it's a bunker that nobody can get through that once you get into his presence, he's not asking you, well, well, how did you really get here? He's not saying, or oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. He's not, he's just saying, I know you don't know how to fix it. Walk in here and I can offer you eternal life. Walk in here and I can offer you healing and hope. Walk in here and I can redeem you. Just stand up and pick up your mat. And as a church starting out the year, could we just make it a little bit easier for people to get there? That, that we could just not have to debate everybody's past all the time. That we, that we don't have to debate whether they're really bad or just a little bit bad. Or, or you should just say, hey, you know what? There's no one here to condemn you. And Jesus doesn't either. So why don't you come to him? By the way. What if the next time somebody walks up to us and says, man, if it wasn't for no luck, bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Everything's falling apart. I know the one that can change that. I don't really have any good opinions about what you should do to change your life, except for you should start here. Except for you should start here. Except, do you know you could be healed today? Do you know you could remove all condemnation today? The church has no business just debating people's past, whether, it's, whether they're more condemned or less. We just need to offer Jesus. We just need to offer hope. And when you see over and over again Jesus walking into already condemned people's lives, he just says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to walk today? Why don't you just stand up? And we could save ourselves so much headache at Walmart. Think about it. The next time somebody walks up to you and just starts bellyaching and complaining about everything and you go into the fix-it mode, which I do, any men in the house, as soon as they start talking, you're like, well, if you wouldn't do that and do this and do this and do this, your life would be so much better. We wouldn't have to be having this conversation and I could get on to getting my stuff. So I'm going to write down the four steps before I go into Walmart and just start handing them out. Right? Save you at birthday parties, save you at family gatherings. What if our approach for 2018 was this? He can heal you today. He could take away all condemnation today. Today, right now, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Right now, just touching him can remove everything. Just having one encounter with the living God can transform a person's life in a way that no behavior modification ever could. So as a church, we walk into where we walk. We meet the people that we meet. We run into them at work and at, and at school and at, and at the grocery store. And instead of offering them all kinds of solutions and rub this on it and do this next week and you should exercise more, just say, listen, have you met the guy that can actually fix this for you? You could be healed. I Listen, I know that's old school, 1960 Pentecostal. We're going to lay hands on people and, you know, pea soup's going to come out or whatever. Like, <laughs> but the same God yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus has not stopped touching people where they are. Jesus has not stopped lifting condemnation. He's not stopped healing. He's not stopped delivering. He's not stopped walking into the darkest of lives and shedding light. He said, I'm the light of the world. And while there's still time, that's what I'm going to do. 
I didn't come here to condemn this person. I came here to heal him. Watch this. What if we as the church could get a hold of that? What if this was actually a place where condemned people could come and meet the one who could lift it? And they didn't have to walk through extra condemnation to get to it. They didn't have to walk through 75 opinions about what they need to do different to get to Jesus. We just made the crowd split. Hey, listen, we're going to get straight to him. I got, I got instant access, by the way. I'm going to just push everybody out of the way for you. We're going straight to the throne. Hey, why don't right here in Walmart, why don't we just pray? I believe God can heal you. You don't have to flip out and roll on the floor. Jesus just said, get up. Wasn't anything weird about it. He didn't have to call a bunch of people around to pray. He just said, get up. Get out. I didn't come here to condemn you, but you might be saved. Get up. Get up. Church, we want to experience his power. We need to stop condemning people and offering them life. We want to experience his authority in this world. Stop condemning people and offer them life. Offer them hope. Offer them peace. Offer them healing. Offer them all the things that Jesus offered the people he interacted with. And I believe it'll look totally different. I believe it'll, 2018 could have a totally different outlook. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. The band's going to come. I want to talk to certain, I don't know who you are. But listen, I, I believe in a, group this size there's people walking in here and you've had wheelbarrows of condemnation heaped on you you feel like you're in a collapse under your own weight you don't have anybody else to look back on but yourself I've been in those circumstances you got in so deep you couldn't fix it no way you were going to drag yourself to any healing No way that you can drag yourself to any redemption. But the one who does all of that without you moving is here. The most beautiful thing about Jesus is when you can't move, he can. When you're too weak to take another step, he will come to you. When you're too blind to see the next move, he will come. Heal your eyes. He's the one. And he's here this morning. And I can't think of any better way to end a year and to start a new year than being forgiven. Than to have the the weight of condemnation lifted from your shoulders and experience grace and mercy for the first time. Experience what true freedom looks like. That I am I don't have to live another second condemned of anything. But Jesus came not to condemn me, but to set me free, to heal me, to deliver me, to redeem me. And this is a golden opportunity for you to take advantage of that. If you are too tired of carrying the weight of condemnation, just let him take it this morning. That's what he came to do. That's what he came to do. He came to heal you today and deliver you. So could you just let him do that? Maybe bow your head and close your eyes. You don't have to do some ritualistic thing, come down to the front. You don't have to do anything like that. Just cry out to him. Just accept the forgiveness he has for you. 
Lord, we are tired of condemnation. We're tired of no hope. Lord, we're tired of the devil heaping blame on us. God, we're tired of it. And so we're reaching out to the only one that can fix it this morning. And we pray that your grace and mercy, the reason you came, would invade our lives. And you redeem us today, Lord. Lift the weight. Lift the burden today, Lord. Lift all the guilt and the shame. Lift it today in Jesus' name. I pray that people would spiritually walk this morning. Lord, I pray they'd physically walk today. God, I pray that you touch bodies now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you touch lives and marriages and families in the name of Jesus today. I pray, God, that your power in your presence as you lift condemnation from people's lives, that their eyes would be open to a saving grace they never realized Lord I pray that today would be the introduction of a new life that old things would pass away and all things would become new God I pray that you would lift us this morning God that you would forgive and redeem that you would bind up the broken heart that you would set the captive free God I pray that you do work today that's been needed I pray that you do work today God I pray that you'd heal us today. Thank you for it. Come on, if you received that from him today, could you give him honor and praise? Could you do that? Come on, could you lift his name? Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. Watch this one more thing. If you've received forgiveness, start out the next year giving out forgiveness. If you've received grace and mercy without condemnation from him, start out the next year passing that same thing out. Come on, start out 2018 forgiving. Be forgiven and then forgive those around you. Amen? And I believe that he's going to walk us through the most amazing year that we've ever seen here at Hedgesville Church. We're going to reach farther and wider and reach more people than we've ever, ever dreamed possible but we're going to do it being forgiven. We're going to do it without condemnation and we're going to do it forgiving others. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Bless us today as we receive your gift. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, give him praise one more time.